Minister of Justice Ronald Damola has become one of the most high-profile, consequential, and honestly famous ministers in recent times in South Africa. Because during his tenure as Minister of Justice, many, many headline-grabbing massive stories involving the Ministry of Justice have happened. The Guptas were arrested in the United Arab Emirates, who have an extradition treaty with South Africa. And so we all expected the Guptas to be extradited back to South Africa to face charges for state capture, and it never happened. That involved the minister and the Ministry of Justice. Jacob Zuma was mysteriously released just hours after being incarcerated in August 2023 because it just so happened that on the same morning that Zuma was re-entered into the prison system, the presidency ordered a remission which means the release of thousands of prisoners before they've seen out their sentences. And it just so happens that Zuma was in that list. And it was La Mola who went out that morning to face the media and defend the government. And just in the last few weeks, La Mola was part of the legal team, the South African legal team, that went to the International Court of Justice with a case accusing the State of Israel of committing genocidal acts and having genocidal intent against Palestinians living in Gaza. And in this exclusive interview with Minister of Justice Ronald Damola, I ask him about all of that, all of those things that I've just said. And you're about to hear him answer all of those questions. And I'm particularly excited to find out from you what you think of his answers around the ICJ. Because we all saw and marveled at the incredible performance of the South African legal team in making their case on that fateful historic Thursday. And then we all watched Israel's attempt to defend themselves on Friday. But the nature of the ICJ is that South Africa had no opportunity to respond to Israel's response. Israel had the last word. And so in this interview, the first thing I do is I take a bunch of the things that Israel said in their defense, attacking the South African case, and I ask them of Lamola, I direct them directly at him, to give him a chance to respond, which he does. So, this is the exclusive interview. This is the issue with Ronald Lamola, Minister of Justice of the Republic of South Africa. This is the issue with Dan Corder, because we all know that South Africa is a movie. Welcome to the watch party. South Africa is wild and overwhelming. And on this show, we explain, analyze, and understand the biggest news stories and issues facing this country every single week. Two episodes of The Issue come out every single week on podcast and also in video form on YouTube. And we also release weekly exclusive episodes of interviews and analysis on Patreon. Go find us there. Lastly, if you're new here and enjoy the episode, it would be so wonderful if you clicked subscribe or follow. It makes a huge difference as we develop the show going forward. Right, let's get into it. Justice Minister Ronald Damola, I cannot believe I'm interviewing without a collared shirt because you're a whole minister, but you seem like a cool guy. And if you've been on Twitter, you will see people know that this interview is about to happen and they all they wanted to say was you have to wear a beanie. That's yeah. all I ask of you. It's just something that happens on the show. Don't question it. I just want you to choose one. So here are all of your different options. Got many different colors. Which one is making you happy? Yeah, this one. Vote. Yeah. It's a also, wood, it's a wood thingy. Yes, so, it's this good. Is <laughs> <laughs> it's also your football team. And it colors. also is my colors. Kaiser uh, Chiefs. Yeah, and the ANC. 
And the ANC. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a comprehensive one. So I'm fine with this one. It's exactly what we want. So yeah. you obviously a Minister of Justice uh, and I have followed uh, your, your term for a long time. I have many questions to ask you. But firstly, you were on the worldwide news headlines as part of the judicial team, the legal team that went to The Hague, to the International Courts of Justice to argue uh, that the state of Israel has exhibited genocidal intent and has also committed at least one, if not a few acts of genocide against uh, the Palestinian people in Gaza. And I'm going to ask you a lot about this. But firstly, there was live cameras in your guys' prep room just before you all went to take the stand. And the mood, it felt like I was watching the start of like like a World Cup final, like a soccer match. Everybody was focused. There was like an energy. What did it feel like? Was there nerves? Were you guys very focused and serious? Were people giggling to try and take the energy off? Yeah, no, it was a, a, a good mood. We, we were ready. We felt that we have done our preparations and um, we, 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 we were ready. Uh, so when what you saw was uh, just the final touch-ups and... Um, uh, removal of the, the jackets and all that. And the beanies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to go into yeah, the beanies, everything, because it's a, it's very it was very cold in the Netherlands. Absolutely. So, yeah, we were, we were ready and we were fine. So you guys came forward and you made the case, um, essentially, that in Article 2 of the Genocide Convention, A, B, C, and D, there are four different kinds of genocidal acts that you uh, argued um, through your very impressive team, by the way. I've been able to interview Adil Hassam and Tim Berger, I told you before, and they are they're wow people. Uh, and then you also argued uh, genocidal intent. Now, the complicated thing about an ICJ case is that you guys went first as the accusatory team, or at least as the the people bringing the case. And then Israel's team got up and defended themselves on the Friday, and you guys had no rights of reply. And so I'd love to ask you about some of the challenges that the Israeli team put forward on Friday for your response as part of the South African team. So the first thing that the Israeli side essentially said is that they had a right to defense. And the way that they'd gone about their attacks and their military moves in Gaza was about destroying Hamas, which they have to do because Hamas like literally says that they want to destroy Israel. Um, and all of the kind of civilian casualties were unfortunate, but they didn't have any choice. What do you say to that? Yeah, that's correct. That's the procedure of the court. You will have also seen that we also anticipated some of the points that we believed they may raise, and that was one of them. Um, we we were able to to quote from the jurisprudence of the court itself that stated that um, <clears throat> um, um, whatever the atrocities uh, that has been committed, a genocide cannot be um, be a, a self defense. So. On the basis of the jurisprudence of the court, if the court does find that South Africa has made a case in terms of the uh, of the test, which is uh, plausibility, uh, remember this time is not the substance of the case; it's the plausibility that there could be, or it is within the realm of the genocide convention what the state of Israel has been doing in Gaza. Therefore, indeed, they cannot use self-defense as a as, a, as an argument uh, by the court, it, it can't be. You can't uh, be involved in acts of genocide as a self-defense. So that won't stand uh, by the standards of the court. So we are convinced. Um, they, and um, we have also anticipated and argued, uh, you will remember that um, 
uh, the intention there is not just um, uh, uh, targeted to the Hamas, uh, its leadership and so forth. It's targeted to the entire uh, Palestinian uh, population in the occupied uh, Gaza, not only them, but also uh, civilian infrastructure, hospitals, water provisions and um, churches, roads, masks, churches graveyards, and all. Yeah. So that can be still be uh, within the, the definition of self-defense. But Israel made the point that, okay, but if Hamas just chooses to use hum- human shields and try and involve themselves as closely in a society, take like use apartments in buildings where those civilians living, then how is Israel supposed to try and take out Hamas if Hamas is using human shields? Yeah, there are rules of uh, international uh, law in relation to war zones and situations. They must uh, abide by that. You, you can't flatten the entire infrastructure because you are looking for one person. Uh, and if you even when you look at the numbers, it's no longer in terms, it's not proportional to 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 even to what they have as 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 Israel. So it has gone far beyond uh, what could be proportional, accepted uh, uh, self-defense. This is now genocide with a clear intent to wipe up or to to cleanse uh, the entire Gaza Strip of the Palestinian population. And in fact, just this morning as we tape, or last night as we tape, this is Friday, the, I don't know what date, do you know what the date is? I think it's yeah, the 19th. It's Friday, the 19th. Yes. Na- yes. Yo, guys, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. I'm yeah. sure you're tired too from all the travel. Yeah. But um, as we record, just this morning, South African time, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, told the President of the United States and America as a whole that after this conflict, he didn't, he would not accept any uh, creation of a Palestinian state as a resolution, which seems to tie in with South Africa's argument that Israel does not want Palestine to exist. Yes, it's very clear. I mean, um, yes, that's what he said uh, this morning. And um, I'm happy that the, the, the U.S. state is also a bit retreating because they were also very firm with them to say that they believe in a two-stage solution. Um uh, which we also believe in, as as per the resolutions of the of the, of the UN. But you will remember that is one of the arguments that we use to back our um, our argument in court to say that, despite the actions which are clear uh, targeted to civilian infrastructure to wipe up the entire population, killing of innocent children and so forth, is backed by the statements of the Prime Minister who uh, declared an Amalek. To cleanse that whole population, um, uh, and, even and cows and donkeys, yeah, it's it's yeah, an yeah, extraordinary yeah. Bible verse. Yes, so is a clear. If that can be a clear uh, statement of intent, then nothing will, because you cannot, as per what the Israel argument they were saying that it's a, we, we must uh, we must take the statements of the Prime Minister of the Minister of Defense and the generals as as political rhetoric and politics speak. You can't take a statement of a prime minister as political rhetoric. And, and as, as um, senior counsel Mokai Tobi said, nobody tells you in advance they're going to commit a genocide. Yeah, no, so you've got to take happen. on the evidence. Yeah. So uh, South Africa has a long history with both Israel and Palestine. The Israelis loved the apartheid government. They tried to create a nuclear weapons uh, partnership with the apartheid government. John Forster, former prime minister, was a famously anti-Semitic person, but went to Jerusalem in the 70s on a diplomatic mission, and the Israelis were very happy with that. And on the other side, 
famously Palestinians also always stood with the struggle against apartheid for people of color and black people in South Africa. But what the Israelis tried to do, or at least the Israeli case tried to do in the ICJ, was paint South Africa as, at the very least, uh, sympathizers of, if not active supporters of Hamas. And they did correctly identify that I think uh, Naledi Pandor took a call from Hamas leaders um, a couple of weeks, if not months ago, and Hamas leaders were actually also welcome to South Africa on a diplomatic mission. Do you think that should affect the case? No, it's irrelevant. Uh, because um, we, it has never been a secret, our relations, long-standing uh, relations with the uh, Palestinian cause, uh, under the leadership of Yasser Arafat, uh, the ANC in particular. But we never had any relation with Hamas. Um, uh, even in the court itself, we, we had the representative of the Palestinian state. We did not have, uh, we were not uh, working with Hamas. And we, we, we have always uh, dismissed such as, um, as irrelevant. But in the course of diplomatic work, you, you engage everyone. It does not mean that because I've engaged uh, with you, therefore I work with you or I am supporting your cause. But it's important to understand the sides of every everyone engaged and so forth. But our relation has been very clear is with the state of Palestine. And um, Sorry, what is the state of Palestine in your minds? Is it the Palestinian Authority based in the West Bank? Yes, is the, is the yes that okay. is the that is the state that is running Palestine, and they were also present in court. They supported the the, prog- the program. So you guys don't support Hamas at all, and the conversations that or the, the, the diplomatic correspondent that the the ANC led government had with Hamas was largely just to talk to everybody in a crisis. Yes, we don't have okay. any bilateral relation with the okay. Hamas either at the political party level or and I the imagine, state level. I imagine you would condemn what Hamas did on October 7. We condemned it um, uh, in, in real time and at that time. And um, when the state of Israel raised the concern that we did not condemn Hamas, we also did in a not verbal formally to the state of Israel and draw them to the attention to the statements that we have issued to condemn that action. So... I have been thinking a lot about what happens now when the court makes a ruling. Let's start with if the court rejects the case and disagrees with South Africa. For you and for many in South Africa, the case is so clear-cut that what would it mean if the court disagreed and sided with Israel? Would it be a miscarriage of of justice? Yes, it will be a miscarriage of justice. It will be a setback. But uh, we believe that uh, we, we will still have uh, made our point. We will have uh, shifted uh, international opinion. Okay. We will have exposed the atrocities happening in Gaza, so which you, uh, is what we have done in court. Now the international community sees the conflict differently because they've always seen it from the eyes of the propaganda of the state of Israel. Okay, so for you, there is an, an, an already achieved value to have laid the case that everyone then watched. Although controversially, a lot of Western media outlets did not show the South African case live. They only showed the Australian case, Israeli case live. And so I think whoever's watching should think very carefully about what you are shown or not shown by different media houses around the world. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly felt that. I certainly felt like, so it's been four months of atrocities. There's been so much propaganda for a while. Even the US president was saying that there were 40 beheaded babies and then at another time there was this and then under Al-Shifa hospital there was Hamas and then there wasn't and it's almost felt so complicated that you don't even really know what's happening anymore and then for the South African legal team to just say all right let's just cut out the noise and just remind you of exactly what has happened was valuable 
Yes, uh, and that is what we did to cut out the noise, leave propaganda, and deal with the facts, and in a non-sensational way. Yeah, I where hear. we presented um, the facts, and where it was absolutely necessary to present some audio, like the speeches of uh, the prime minister and so forth, in a non-sensational way. Uh, in a respectful way to the global community and the court itself. So we believe that um, we have been able to expose this um, site and now the global community view this situation in a, with a different eye. For sure. Okay, so what about the hypothetical that South Africa wins? So there are lots of things the ICJ could do. They could order Israel to stop, uh, at least to stop parts of their activities. They could order Israel to allow in humanitarian aid, which the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, has denied. They could order Israel to allow independent journalists in and not kill them, uh, which Israel has managed to stop doing. And they could allow for a proper commission of inquiry and investigation. The fundamental problem, as many people have said, and I think some criticisms of the South African case are like, but what's the point? Because if, the, if South Africa wins, Israel can just say no, we, we won't stop, we disagree, which they clearly will. Um, they have said as much. I think Netanyahu tweeted a few days ago that like nothing will stop us, not even the the Hague is what he said. So um, the problem is the ICJ doesn't have a police or an army, no force of enforcement. And then the correct procedure after that is to appeal to the Security Council, which Israel's firmest ally, the United States, has already vetoed resolutions to try and get a ceasefire. And I'm sure will again, since that they have said that they see no evidence of genocidal acts in in Israel. What is the point then? Firstly, the point uh, you will have heard from the submissions of um, of Israel. Most of the things that they've said they've allowed, including humanitarian aid, it was done a week before. Um, mm. And the, 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 the For the escal- case, to yeah, sweeten this, the case. Yeah, this escalation. The US uh, even have now been vocal about the issue of the two-state solution, which they were not very vocal prior to the submission of the case. So already we have uh, shifted uh, and moved the boundary a bit, which is an achievement. If there is a court order, I believe the court order will also be very authoritative for the international community to be able to make the necessary uh, diplomatic calls and noise to put pressure to the state of Israel to respect. So that court order will not just be uh, in paper, but it will be standing as an authoritative um, factual finding by the court. So it's no, it will not only end at the Security Council. Uh, it, 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 can only, it can it can also be taken to the General Assembly of the UN. You will remember that South Africa was expelled from the from the UN on the basis um, of, of of not willing to to respect those institutions. So it, it, there is a point in taking sure. the matter. Firstly, for the international community. Secondly, also in in, in those multilateral bodies of the UN. So earlier this week. Uh, a bu- okay, as far as I can tell, a bunch of anonymous Twitter trolls said, who funded South Africa's case? Was it Iran? And it seems like a conspiracy theory with no evidence, but also no understanding, because the argument was essentially, how could South Africa afford to send this legal team as though we're a bankrupt nation with zero rands in the, in, in the budget, which is obviously insane. But that conspiracy theory got so much wind in it that in the end like a like a, a substantial authoritative media publication allowed an opinion piece to be written saying maybe it was Iran and this ties into this 
idea that Israel put forward that basically the South African government is the legislative arm of Hamas. Although they do like to say that a lot. Like I think that they say Turkey was also another arm of Hamas. They like saying that. Could you just explain how the case was put together and how the Justice Department puts together such teams and why firstly it was fully within your budget <laughs> to be able to handle this, but secondly how like this was South Africa's idea from the start and not the work of like a silent hand puppet master. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really disingenuous, isn't it? I mean, we 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 carried the the case from the on site, um, including to choose the the legal reps who will help us, and all the processes have been done in line with South African government policy and so forth. So that is what we have done. And um, we, 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 we are handling it uh, within our processes. And even some of the councils, some of them even acted pro bono. So it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's really disingenuous to, 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 to say that. So this is a case run by the South African government with no um, a hidden hand um, mm. helping us with the case. Okay. I'm making you talk a lot. Would you like some water? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm actually gonna have a slip. Yeah. Sorry about that. You can put on that. Now we've we've chosen the beanies. They can. <laughs> go. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. <laughs> so, um, I don't want to upset you, but we're going into an election, and maybe you won't be the Minister of Justice afterwards. The stat. I mean, the polls are very don't make good reading for the opposition, but there's a chance. There's a chance that the ANC might be out of power. How do you reflect on your time so far as the Minister of Justice in the Department of Justice? What do you yeah. think you have achieved and what do you think you still have left to achieve? Yeah, I will be the minister uh, unless the president decides otherwise. Because okay. um, How I are you believe, the president? Is he I responding believe, to your WhatsApps? I believe he will still be the president. <laughs> but, uh, do you guys WhatsApp? Are you on good terms? Yeah, no, no, no. Do you send him memes sometimes? <laughs> no, not the memes. Actually, this is actually what I've always wanted to ask. You know that South Africans are very funny online. Do you ever read tweets about you, like memes? Yeah. I oh, 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 you you, you yeah. do read the tweets. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever yes, want to yes. respond? Some I do. Some. It <laughs> <laughs> depends. Whether I, I have to, yeah. So yeah. Okay. But let's reflect on the term as Minister of Justice that you have already done. What do you see as some of your achievements, and what do you think you still have to do? Have to do. No, I think um, some of the greatest, um, um, proudest moment was um, uh, how we handled COVID. Uh, with the regulations and um, helping the South African society to participate in the process and come up with the regulations that will enable us to to manage the pandemic. Um, the transition in our um, uh, processes of justice uh, to modernize the systems, uh, digitize. There's already platforms that um, are able to work. Others are not working, which we are attending to. And um, also the... the, the, the the, the courts still being able to function and people access the courts uh, during that uh, difficult period sure. of, 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 of COVID and also the processes related to the permanent um, establishment of the, of the, of the ID. Sure. I believe um, those are the, um, what we can put out there. For sure. 
I tweeted that I was going to be doing this interview this morning. I just wanted yeah. to know what people thought. They told you to wear beanies, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of things, though. So the first one that – so, I mean, South Africa, as we know, has got an overburdened court system, not enough judges, not enough courts, very difficult. People wait years sometimes for justice or even the, their, their day in court. And somebody just said, why don't we have solar panels at the courts? Like that the court – lots of courts stop maybe during load shedding. Like very, very practical solutions to help along. Is that something you'd consider? We do have some courts with solar panels and uh, generators. We have put them. So you're hoping for yeah. the whole country? Yeah, we are rolling them out. In okay, great. Most of the courts, we which is we just started with the busy courts. I see. In in, in 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 the city centers and so forth. That's where we started with generators, and so forth. And some do have solar panels. Some, but mostly is generators. So okay. we do. And then the other thing many people just spoke about, which is like the pandemic of South Africa, is gender-based violence. And many people were wondering if you had plans as the Justice Department to make it easier for people seeking to get a restraining order or to open a case of sexual assault or harassment uh, to get through the court system more quickly and effectively, given that sometimes it takes a long time. And particularly with gender-based violence, it's often people who the victims know in their communities, sometimes in their households. And I think a lot of people have a frustration that the that justice, the wheels of justice turn too slow uh, when it comes to gender-based violence. Yeah, the first step that we've taken is to digitize the way people apply for a domestic violence um, order, which you can now do via WhatsApp or online and so forth. So that is the first step, which has been enabled by some of the legislative changes that the president has just uh, accented to. So the second step, obviously, is that within the system, it must be victim-friendly, and they must be they must be able to uh, testify in a victim-friendly environment. And most of the sexual offenses courts have been transformed to be able to do that, where in certain situations, the witnesses can testify via video, visual link, without having to have contact with the, with the perpetrator and so forth. So we've... Uh, tried our best to make it as friendly as possible and um, uh, also with the assessment of experts uh, to get uh, psychological help and so forth. So that is the process that the court um, we have uh, tried to transform it to to make it as victim-friendly as possible, particularly for the victims of uh, gender-based violence. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like, uh, particularly with sexual offences, that their attempts to fast-track the process at least to make sure that that potential victims or alleged victims are seen to and looked after more quickly than in other kinds of cases. Is that so? Yes, that's why we have got this sexual offences court, which is separate uh, court role from the normal court role, where uh, sometimes it may take longer than in a sexual offences court. The only thing now that sometimes delay the, the courts is, could be the DNA results, and also the the sometimes maybe the representatives not being well and, and all. But we have really tried that the system must move as expeditiously as possible. Sure. So what do you still, what's what's your next big thing as Minister of Justice that you want to do? Is the complete um, modernization of the court, uh, the criminal justice system where it can be able to communicate from home affairs to the South African police. How do you go about modernizing the it? Of the, it's uh, what we now have, which is called the integrated justice system, and also what we have now started, the um, 
the Criminal Procedure Act review because you will know the Criminal Procedure Act is an act of 1977, and we always before say, even digital, yeah, it was analog. And, <laughs> yeah, so that's why wow. that's why witnesses cannot yes. testify uh, virtually. For example, they must be in court and so forth. Only experts now can do. So we're trying to modernize the Criminal Procedure Act to enable witnesses even to testify digitally and so forth. So that whole process of modernizing the criminal process to, to take into account what you are saying, not only analog, but uh, recent developments. Uh, we, 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 we say, you know, a car, if it's a, it's a model of 1977, it doesn't matter how many times you have taken it to, to service. Mm. It remains a model of 1977. So sure. that's why we are now a complete uh, review of the Criminal Procedure Act. All right, thank you. So uh, there were three major questions that came through on Twitter regarding high-profile moments for the Justice Ministry in the last year or so. So I'm just going to go through them because it's what people really want to hear about. The first one is, what went wrong with the Guptas being arrested in the Emirates um, and there being an extradition treaty between the Emirates and South Africa to bring them back to face justice and then it never happened? Yeah, firstly... It's one. It's a subject of um, a questions we have sent to the UAE, which uh, the UAE has not yet answered. Um, so they ignored your requests. Yeah, they, we 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 sent questions wanting to know exactly what was wrong with the application because we need to resubmit. But are they still if, holding the Guptas? No, they, it, it was the state of last sight which means that we need to resubmit at the UAE uh, as, as we speak. But are the Guptas still under arrest? Can they still be brought no, back? No, they've, they've been, been released. released by the UAE. But in terms of Interpol, they can still be arrested any in any country which is a, is a member of Interpol. So did the UAE think there was a problem with South Africa's application? Is that why they didn't? Yes. What did they say the problem was? That is the question we have sent them and which they have not yet answered. So, so for oh, us they, to be able to resubmit... They said there was a problem, but didn't say what the problem was. You will remember the court order said that um, the submission was um, was that um, it's, um, it's, um, the, it's a cancelled warrant. Yes. We had submitted a proper warrant in, with our submission, and whatever that was done with regards to the cancelled warrant, it was between... It was discussed between the authorities, the NPA in yeah. South Africa and the prosecuting authority... In the UAE, uh, they advised how we should submit. So all the papers, how we submitted them, it was on the basis of the advice of the authorities in the UAE. That is the first point. The second one... But then they, they still caught, found a problem with it. Yes. So that's why we were surprised. I mean, we, we followed what they said. It's like when someone comes here to South Africa, when we take a matter in South Africa in our courts, we advise the states. This is how we do it and so forth. So we can't go and say, no, there's a problem when we have advised you. But it's so odd that they released the Guptas while they wanted you to correct the the, the application. Yeah. Why so, did they do that? Surely they yeah. should have held the Guptas until your application was corrected. Yeah, so all those are part of the questions we have sent. To you. And they haven't responded? No. Why this and that and why all this? So they have not responded to all. Those. Is it literally like, have they gray ticked you on WhatsApp? Is it like they're not yeah. responding to emails? Yeah. They're not responding to that question because for us to, we, we can resubmit, but we will have the same, we will run into the same problem. So they haven't told you what was wrong with the application when they told you what they needed and you did it? Yes. 
Sure, bro. <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. So what what kind of consequences can South Africa do about that to the UAE? Nothing. Well, obviously, it's a diplomatic issue because oh, extradition in its character, it's both legally and uh, diplomatic uh, mm. matter list. So that is what we are currently okay. involved in. Cool. So that's the first question. Uh, the second question regards somebody who uh, ironically in the last month has become a little bit annoying, it's fair to say, for the African National Congress, Jacob Zuma, uh, because uh, in early August last year, he uh, returned to, I think it was escort prison, to be re-enrolled uh, for the rest of his prison sentence as ordered by the Constitutional Court when he was in contempt of court and then was released on what seems to be a dodgy medical parole. And then a couple of hours after he appeared at the prison, he was released uh, on, uh, what's it called, that the president did? Remission. To release a bunch of uh, deemed to be non-violent, non-threatening prisoners to take the burden off the prison system, and you actually addressed the media that morning, if I remember correctly. It wasn't oh. the president, and a lot of the questions were like, "We didn't hear anything about this. Where did this come from?" South African politics is notoriously leaky. Most things get to the media before they come out of a politician's mouth. Like the, the plain and simple accusation was. The presidency has done this to release somebody who he's trying to placate to because Zuma might be a bigger problem for Ramaphosa in prison, as we've seen in the past, allegedly, uh, than out of prison. So he's trying to take a soft hand and keep him out of jail by calling for a mission on the exact morning that it could get Zuma out of jail. What was your response to that? Yeah, we, 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 I think um, it's not uh, informed by facts. Okay. The facts is that we started the project of remission sure. in early March mm-hmm. last year. And um, we were following all the procedures uh, of the remissions. You will remember that uh, during that week, there's a prison that banned uh, in Makado. Uh, we lost about 3,000 uh, beds yes. at the go. Sure. So we did not have the space to take all these people into. So that's why we then uh, urgently said, President, this project, we have been running it from March um, with an intention that we must ease the system. But the fact that there is a a prison that has now banned, where we have to now spread all these uh, inmates or prisoners across the province of uh, LMN, which is Limpompompumalang and Northwest, and throughout the country, we now need to we are help to um, uh, ease the space with the special remission. And the president understood and uh, he did that. So I think the target was to release about 7,000 prisoners. Is that right? 10,000. 10,000. And yes. have they all been released now? Yes. Okay. And why was only Zuma released on that morning? There were many others who were also released. On the same morning? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then the prisoners who were shared, uh, uh, I mean, the beds that were then available, like at Escort Prison, I think, is where Zuma was, if I remember correctly. Was it Escort Prison? Yeah, it was at Escort. Interesting. Okay. So that's the second second big question. The third one uh, is from more recently about how the Supreme Court of Appeal ordered the presidency to stop funding many of Jacob Zuma's legal bills uh, a couple of years ago, actually. And then more recently said, why hasn't the presidency not stopped? But the Supreme Court of Appeal also ordered that that money be reclaimed. And the value now sits at around 35 million rand. Why hasn't uh, the Supreme Court of Appeals uh, order for the presidency been honored? Why has Zuma not been ordered to give back those tens of millions of rands of taxpayers' money that the, the Supreme Court of Appeals says should never have been spent by the presidency on Zuma's court cases? Yeah, firstly, 
on the order uh, to stop it, it has been stopped. We've complied with that first part of the order. Okay. How we're, recently? We're, no, since the order was made, we are no longer paying for. The but the money case. value has gone up. It was about 18 million in the first when the Supreme Court first made the order. Now it's over 30 million. Yeah, it's because of the work that was done by the state attorney to yes. look into how much in actual value uh, that has already been spent. Oh, so you're saying it was it's stopped. It's not a new. Okay, so you're saying it was stopped immediately. Yes. But then it turns out it was actually 35 million, not 18 not at the 18. time. Yes. Okay. So because of the thorough work they had to do, okay, to look into all the files, the cost, the invoices and sure. everything. So which led to the delay in them instituting the proceeding. And okay. um, they are proceeding to institute the proceeding to recover the money. To get full 35 million back. Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. Thank you. And lastly, Minister Lamola, uh, ANC member Ronald Lamola, why should people vote ANC in 2024? Yeah, because um, in the first eight years of our democracy, we have laid a good foundation for the country. And you will have heard the president speaking about um, the electric, almost uh, we are one of the few countries uh, in Africa, if not the world, where almost um, more than 85% of the of the population of of the country is electrified, access uh, to water uh, and so forth. While we have challenges of load shedding, but we are attending to it. So we're one of the few countries um, in terms of electricity and water network that um, we have um, expanded uh, significantly. And indeed, there are challenges, as you have said, the issues of corruption that um, are being um, attended to through the court uh, processes, resolving the challenges of load shedding. And um, one of the biggest uh, uh, capabilities is that the ANC has learned in the past 30 years. We have the experience, we have the technical know-how, we know what works and what does not work. So from that, what we believe works and what we have learned, it is what we will now in the next 30 years focus on and what we, we we believe were the challenges and failures we will then abandon them in these 30 years and move forward with what works some prominent leaders have left the ANC why do you think Ace Makhashule and Jacob Zuma are so angry with the ANC and describing the current leadership as sellouts and apartheid collaborators yeah um, obviously firstly the president has uh, said it in, in, in the state in the January 8th statement is because of the program of renewal Okay. The ANC is cleansing itself. It's in a program of renewal to restore its values. In that process, there will be those that uh, are, are not compatible with the values of the ANC. They are going to leave. Okay. And uh, the, the two uh, individuals you have referred to is because of that. Um, with regards to the president being an apartheid collaborator, I can state with you now that um, it is this president who is now going to accede to the convention that declared apartheid a crime against humanity. No any other president has done it in the country, even, not even President Mandela, Mbeki, and even former President Zuma. It is the sixth administration of President Ramaphosa that you could see action happening with regards to um, the, the TRC crime. Mm. Um, uh, Anton Timoli, um, uh, Agad, uh, 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 the, the imam in the, in the Western Cape, and recently with the credit for uh, that there is an inquest and they are also in a matter where people coming out of the TRC cases have been uh, convicted. He put resources mm. in terms of money and also 
in terms of investigation by the the hawks and also the NPA having prosecutors dedicated. Sure. So if he was an apartheid collaborator, why would he want uh, uh, that to 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 happen? Sure. He he is also this administration that has put the land court. Uh, mm. to adjudicate on land court matters. It is this administration that has also passed through the expropriation bill that no any other administration has done. So sure. if you are saying it, is, it does not want to attend the land question, mm. the means of production to ensure equitable distribution, why will he want the expropriation bill to go through? Mm. And all the, uh, the bills that are aimed to transform the economy of the country, including the competition amendment uh, a bill which is aimed to to dismantle uh, 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 and deconcentrate yeah. monopolies in the South African economy. Sure. And final question: If the ANC uh, drops seven and a half percent, they will still uh, on the last election general they'll still win fifty percent, which means that ANC will be an independent majority, as the ANC has always been since its very very first election in 1994. Would that constitute a successful election campaign for the ANC? Or is 50% plus one vote not enough to be considered a successful campaign? It will be a successful campaign, given the challenges we came from. As right. I said, this is the first administration where we had to deal with COVID. That's true. The, the July riots, uh, the natural disaster in Devon. No any other president has faced all these challenges. For sure. Um, uh, the, 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 also the scale of, of, of lead shedding, which we are also inheriting from the past. So it will be a successful campaign, and I, I believe we will be able to to edge it. And um, even independent analysts like um, Oslen, I saw yesterday in one of his articles, he is beginning to say it will almost be impossible to take the ANC out of the fifty percent mm. plus one. So well, I just we don't. Definitely... I just don't think the opposition could agree to make a coalition, even if they got fifty-one <laughs> percent together. Justice Amola. Yeah, it won't be in the interest of South Africa. You don't think so? Yeah. Okay. So I'm happy that even independent analysts they acknowledge that okay. we will go beyond the fifty percent. Well, I guess we'll see. Thank you. I guess we'll see. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. So. What did you think of what he had to say? Let us know on social media or in the comments. We are literally everywhere. We're not hard to find. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Issue with Dan Corder. One more reminder, you can go check out the video version. You can go watch this interview if you like. Lamola himself on your screen across on YouTube. And go check out our Patreon. There's a wonderful new interview coming that is really, really good. And there's one up there already. That's the place where you can support the show with your subscription. And for your subscription, every single week, you get a brand new epic expert interview about South Africa for the stuff we really want to know about. Like, why can't we defeat record-breaking high levels of unemployment? World-record-breaking level high levels. High levels. (laughs) You know what I mean, of unemployment. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a few days' time with the latest episode of The Issue with Dan Corder.